This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, May 2nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, finding belonging through social justice parenting, frozen brings the heat, state legislature nears finish line, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Telluride lost a member of its community over the weekend. Janice Jenkins passed away on Saturday after losing a battle with breast cancer. She was 77 years old. Jenkins was in the care of Touch of Care Hospice when she passed. Jenkins is survived by her children, Bryant and Leela, and her three grandchildren. Tracy Baxley believes parenting is a form of activism. The way we show up for our kids in our house, the values that we teach, the things that we say to our kids, the way that we um, model things for our kids, is teaching our kids how to show up in the world. And so we have to be intentional and purposeful in, in the way that we're doing that. If we are trying to kind of raise kids who are socially engaged uh, and who are actively compassionate and kind to people outside of our homes. Baxley is a mother, author, professor, and consultant on issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion. This week, Baxley will be virtually in Telluride for a discussion on her book, Social Justice Parenting, How to Raise Compassionate, Anti-Racist, Justice-Minded Kids in an Unjust World. Baxley says she's been drawn to social justice work for years, looking for ways to find belonging in, at times, difficult spaces. She says while the word social justice has become politicized, to her it's about that sense of belonging. Social justice to me is just um, wanting everybody to live their full potential life, right? That everybody has all of their basic needs and met and having the same opportunities. And I think if we look at it from the lens of just this idea of humanity, right? giving everybody the best of what we have to offer and making sure everybody has those opportunities to have it. Um, it, it has nothing to do with our, our political leanings, right? It's just about being a human, looking out for all humans. And that's the way I approach the idea of social justice parenting. It's not about politics at all. It's just about us seeing the humanness in, in each other and really you know, taking ownership of what our responsibility is for, for one another and that connection that we all have. She notes social justice parenting doesn't need to be reserved specifically for those who have children, but highlights the relationship between parent and child, sets an example for how young people exist in the world. While discussing race and racism may feel like a challenge for some, Baxley encourages families to lean in to the uncomfortable. I think being uncomfortable is a really good space, right? Because it means you're aware. It means you're doing some reflection. It's, it means to me that you have the capacity and the willingness to grow. In the journey of activism, in the journey of being socially engaged, we are going to say the wrong things, right? It's, it's how we learn and grow. We are going to make mistakes. Um, I think about when I'm showing up uh, for people in other communities where I know I have privilege, like the LGBTQ community, I say and do things that are not appropriate all the time. But um, that's how I learn. That's how I grow. And I don't think people are going to be as negative about the mistakes as you think, right? Because I think we're all in a place in our country right now or in the world 
where we want to see people asking the questions. We want to see people are growing and trying to learn about um, different narratives. She adds modeling messing up is a good thing. It also shows them that you are not perfect and that you're not expecting them to be perfect and that this is us growing together as a family. So I think kids learn life lessons when they see us stumble and they see us um, not having all the answers. And Baxley says to start talking about social justice work now. I really feel like it's never too early. When they're three, when they're five, you don't have to tell them everything, but you really do want to allow their natural curiosities to lead conversations. We don't want to shut that down when they're asking questions that make us feel uncomfortable. Because when we are raising kids through our own fear, our own anxieties, right? That is what our kids learn in the world. We want to raise our kids um, supporting them, leaning into their own curiosities. And so those hard questions are going to come up. For parents looking to start those conversations, but feeling a little uncomfortable, Baxley notes there are several ways to dive in while buying yourself some time. You acknowledge their curious question. Like, you know, what a great question. What a great curious question. Um, I'm so glad you thought about something so, you know, such hard, so such a hard question or things that are going on around the world. I see you're really listening and paying attention, right? So acknowledging that the question they're asking is a really great curious question. She also encourages families to dive into the conversation together. The other thing that you can say is, you know what? I don't have the answer to that right now. I, Mom really needs to think about that because I'm not sure. Um, so then that buys you more time too, to write, to kind of figure things out. And the other thing you can say is, you know what? That's a great question. Let's figure that out together. And then you go about your life or your day really learning from with your kids, you know, looking it up, researching it, reading about it, talking about it and growing about it together. And you can even say to your kids, you know what? When I was little, I didn't have these conversations with grandma and grandpa. It was something that people didn't talk about. And I'm so glad you're asking that question because I think the more we're talking about it, the more we learn about each other and then the ways that we can see how we're responsible and helping. The bottom line, Baxley says, is to take action. Doing nothing is probably the worst way to do it, right? That is really important that we are always being reflective and intentional about making steps toward um, teaching our kids about others and teaching our kids to honor and celebrate people's differences and people's lived experiences. So in, in, in your own journey, no matter how small those steps are, you know, keep making steps to, to, to have this open dialogue um, with your children um, and the people around you. The social justice parenting discussion will take place via Zoom on Wednesday, May 4th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Registration is available at TellurideLibrary.org. Sometimes you have to just let things go. This week, Telluride's Young People's Theater will bring the Disney classic Frozen to stage. For the two people in the world who don't know Frozen, (laughs) I'm just joking. YPT's artistic director, Leah Heidenreich. It is a really delightful story that I really love um, because it's all about like girl power and sisterly bonds and like 
the you know true love must break the enchanted spell but the true love is like selflessness between family not like a damsel in distress being saved by a prince the play frozen is based on the disney movie frozen which is originally based on the hans christian andersen fairy tale the snow queen in the play, sisters Anna and Elsa, with sidekicks Kristoff and Olaf, go on an adventure to save their kingdom, learning the power of love and family and sticking together. In YPT's Frozen Junior, 24 third, fourth, and fifth graders will bring the story to life. Heidenreich says it's been a fun experience, embodying one of the biggest stories of these children's lives. I ran into a parent, a YPT parent the other day, who likened it to, it's like bluegrass for the kids. <laughs> like this show is as big of a deal for the littles as like bluegrass is for all of the grownups who live here at the Bluegrass Festival. It's just like so beloved. It's such a big deal. They know every song. They know every line. At the same time, Heidenreich says they're working to make the story their own. The main challenge has been helping the kids to create those characters into making it something that it, that is their own, that's not, you know, just, um, a regurgitation of what they've been watching their whole lives on stage is, is like taking that character that they know and love so well and that story that they know and love so well and dear and really making it their own. And I think the kids have done an amazing job with it. It's such a delightful and adorable and just beautiful little show. And this go around, the story will not only take place on stage. We are going to have some... Um, teenagers dressed up as Anna, Elsa, and Olaf, and we have a photo booth um, uh, that is going to be set up. And then families can bring their kiddos and um, get pictures taken with Anna, Elsa, and Olaf in the photo booth. And then they also will get their very own special snowflake charm. After several hard years, Heidenreich hopes Frozen will melt some hearts. I hope that people walk out of the theater with just so much joy and hope in their hearts. This has been a really really hard couple of years. This is the first musical I've been able to do with kids of this age group since in the spring of 2019. So to get to see kids who have been robbed of so many things, including like in-person performance art and be, being able to like have that outlet, watching them get to do that for the first time in a very long time and to get them be able to come together on stage, be together to create art and to tell such an incredible story that has so many amazing themes that just touch every person of all ages. I think that's going to be really special. And I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, uh, of crying eyes in the theater at the end of it. Cause it's just such a sweet show and it's just so beautiful. Frozen will take place at 6 p.m. Friday, May 6th through Sunday, May 8th at the Sheridan Opera House. Tickets are available at SheridanOperaHouse.com. bothered me anyway The Colorado General Assembly is barreling towards the finish line. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Scott Franz shares an update on the final days.
Hey, Scott, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. So the Colorado General Assembly is in its final week and a half-ish <laughs> of the session. And so I know that they are in um, big business of passing bills and sending them to Governor Jared Polis's desk. Can you give a little bit of a, a highlights reel as to what's been passing and getting signed recently? Yeah, that is, that is a, um, a lot, actually, just a flurry of activity here the last um, couple of weeks. Um, the governor signed the budget last week. There have been several of these affordable housing bills that have reached um, the governor's desk, things like, um, you know, revolving loan program, um, incentives for tiny home manufacturers. Um, so just, just a whole lot of everything. Now, there's still, uh, you know, just a lot left, but it, I mean, every day we're seeing, you know, up to a dozen to, you know, as many as 20 bills um, passing out of the legislature. So it's kind of reached that point where it's, it's crunch time. And, you know, a lot of the priorities are getting through, but we're also still seeing, um, some new initiatives get introduced. Obviously when the legislature passes bills, it then requires the governor's signature. Has it felt that everything that's getting passed is kind of easily signed by governor Polis or has there been anything that has been passed through that maybe the governor is less likely to sign or hasn't signed? So far, we haven't seen any major, um, you know, policy disagreements in terms of things that are passed or, um, you know, any of the the vetoes we sometimes see. Um, But, you know, there are still some major initiatives that that do have that kind of question mark. Um, You know, for example, there's this bill out there to ban uh, flavored tobacco products, and the governor has indicated, um, you know, he... He has concerns, and you know part of this behind the scenes is that you know this um, could cost. You know, remember we passed uh, new taxes on nicotine products, and if you ban the sale of flavored nicotine products, it it would you know um, reduce the amount of tax revenue that's brought in, and of course all of this is going to a new um, universal preschool program. The governor is very proud and excited to to launch. So, you know, there's some behind the scenes maneuvering right now on, on the fate of, of that legislation. You know, it has support of public health experts and doctors. And, you know, on the other side, you know, the, the tobacco industry has, um, you know, been, been lobbying against it. So, you know, that's one of those question marks of, you know, if it does pass, what kind of, you know, does it get vetoed? And does, you know, the legislature may not have the you know, the votes override that. But, um, you know, that's something we'll probably see because a lot of those more controversial bills are questionable bills, you know, wait till the last minute or even the last day. So, you know, that's something that'll probably play out, um, you know, days after the session ends. With maybe those more controversial bills coming up and with about a week and a half left in the session, what are you expecting to, to see coming up in the next few days? Right. Yeah. There's still, like, for example, this bill that, that just got introduced last week for, um, you know, the Tabor refunds, everyone getting um, $400 uh, in August or September, you know, that's moving through. Republicans have called it a uh, election year game, um, although they're very much in favor of Tabor refunds. So that, that'll be an interesting um, political debate playing out. 
Um, you know, there's been long debates over collective bargaining for uh, county em- employees and, you know, other public employees that are kind of, we're waiting for those debates. In the final days here, there's, um, you know, a debate over, um, you know, mental health programming here on the front range. So, yeah, there's just a little a little bit of everything. Does it seem, you know, obviously, I think lawmakers try to finish up their work in time, but does it seem like they will be ready and good to go on, I believe, May 11th is when they're scheduled to, to go into recess for the year? Um, or does it seem like they might have to stay a little bit longer to finish up their work? It, it seems like we're on track now. I, I uh, You know, there can always be surprises and... Um, you know, we we try not to mention the the word special session here, especially uh, you know so close to the finish line. But you know, it, it seems like everything's on track. There are some longer debates playing out, but um, you know, they, there's always kind of this mad dash at the end to get signature priorities uh, passed. Now, you know, we check back in a week, and the picture may change. But as of right now, it, it seems like you know the the major initiatives are advancing. Um, they are, you know, many bills are reaching the governor's desk, and we're not seeing too many of the, um, you know, longer um, filibuster, as we like to call it here, filibuster tactics, um, you know, playing out. Although there have been some, but, um, you know, nothing that's ground the, the legislature to a halt. Well, we will check back in with you next week and see if the whole world has changed (laughs) when it comes to (laughs) the session. And in the meantime, Scott, thanks so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. Hey, my pleasure, Julia. Thanks. That was KOTO Scott Franz reporting from Denver. Exciting flora and fauna envelop the Box Canyon each summer. And once again, the Wilkinson Public Library is helping the community get out into nature and discover it all. Starting this month, Eric Hines will host Love Your Backyard Walking Groups to learn more about the nature in our backyard. Hines has been fascinated with birds and birding since he was at summer camp in Maine over 30 years ago and heard a common loon. His love for nature and science led him to a degree in environmental studies and wildlife biology. He now owns Box Canyon Birding in Telluride. The Love Your Backyard walking groups will take place the first Wednesday of each month from May through August. The first walk will take place on Wednesday, May 4th from 8 to 10 a.m., meeting at the South Pine Street Bridge. The library reminds folks to wear sturdy shoes. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is conducting an angler survey at Miramonte Reservoir and Dan Noble State Wildlife Area, and it wants to hear from the community. CPW is looking for input from anglers on preferred species, quality versus quantity of fish, and harvest rates. The department is hoping to learn if anglers want larger catches with fewer bites or more bites with smaller fish, and if they're more interested in harvesting fish at the location or catch and release. Officials will be at the reservoir three days a week conducting the survey talking with anglers, Answers from the public will help CPW determine how it stocks the reservoir in the future. The survey began on May 1st and will continue through October. The Colorado River is America's most endangered, according to a new national report. KUNC's Alex Hager has more on the analysis from American Rivers. 
Put simply, there is not enough water in the Colorado River to supply the 40 million people that depend on it, and the next three decades could see even further reductions to its flow. This report calls for bold and immediate action to protect the river and help its users adapt to a hotter and drier future. American Rivers says that will mean pushing drought recovery and resilience to the top of the list when it comes to state and federal spending. The group also suggests that native tribes take a leading role in river management after centuries of systemic racism and historic disinvestment. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-30s. Tuesday, there is a chance of showers with partly sunny skies and a high near 60 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour. Tuesday night should see clearing skies with a low around 25 degrees. Wednesday should be partly sunny during the day and partly cloudy at night with a chance of snow showers. The high is near 50 degrees with a low around 30. This has been the news for Monday, May 2nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Attention parents with young children. In-person parenting workshops are back. Hi, this is Madeline with Bright Futures. Bright Futures is partnering with Wilkinson Public Library and Telluride R1 School District to bring you a health panel Q&A. Join us at the library on Wednesday, May 11th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. to join a discussion with medical, dental, and nutrition experts. Dinner and child care will be provided. No registration is necessary and simultaneous Spanish translation will be available. Please email me with any questions at madeline at brightfuturesforchildren.org. Hey Coda listeners, today is the second day of Mental Health Awareness Month, and there's a great opportunity to get involved tomorrow afternoon. One of the most important things that you can do to benefit our community is to become a resource for those struggling with mental health challenges. That's why Tri-County Health Network is hosting a Safe Talk Suicide Alertness training to help anyone 15 and older learn to recognize the signs of suicide and connect people with life-saving resources. The class will take place on Tuesday, May 3rd from 2.30 to 6.30 p.m. at the Elks Lodge. You can sign up at tchnetwork.org slash events dash and dash classes slash Safe Talk. Let's work together to create a happier and healthier community. Hi there, I'm Liza Cooney with San Miguel Resource Center's Prevention Education Program, and I'm here to promote a great opportunity for parents this Wednesday, May 4th. May is Sexual Assault Awareness Month here in San Miguel County. Did you know that in Colorado, 42% of victims experienced their first sexual assault before the age of 18? Sexual violence can be an intense topic to discuss, especially with your teen. You may wonder if they're ready to learn about it or may worry the topic could be too upsetting. But the truth is, information and open communication help teens make safer decisions for themselves and their peers. You know your child best and they value your insight. We at SMRC invite you to join our virtual parenting workshop this Wednesday, May 4th at 3.30 p.m. 
We will provide strategies for discussing sexual assault with your teen, as well as suggestions for supporting a teen through a victimization. We will also share about our current youth-focused prevention efforts to keep everybody updated. Plus, the first 20 people to register will receive a $30 Clex gift card. To register, please email Liza at education at smrcco.org. Again, that is education at smrcco.org. And the workshop will take place on Wednesday, May 4th at 3.30 p.m. All attendees will receive a $30 Clark's gift card. Thank you. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.